as Jesus is telling us that he came to fulfill the law. As it's as I look at his life, that becomes my interpretation. What did Jesus do with the Old Testament law? How did he fulfill it? Well, Jesus calls us to lay down our lives. He, he calls us to sacrificial love. He, he dignifies the marginalized and the mistreated and the down and outs. You're listening to The Chopping, a weekly podcast from City Life Church, where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. All right, everyone, good morning and welcome back to The Chopping Block. We've got Pastor... Andy Atkinson with me, and uh, I'm Brett Wiley, and we're excited to get back into the First Peter Sermon Series this morning. Andy, happy 4th of July, 5th of July. It's the 5th. Did you blow anything up last night? I did not. I was with the Dalla family, and they blew a lot of things up. I watched. My son did, they, they shot off one of those parachutes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and my son began to just run all over the street trying to catch them, so I don't know if that's safe for a toddler or not, but... We did have one. I, I saw a crazy video recently where where a firework fired the wrong way and landed in someone's box that had all their fireworks in that exploded. I think I saw that video. This did not happen, but we did have one that started firing sideways where we were all sitting, and I began to get up in front of my three year old and cover his body to make sure he was sacrificed your, yourself for your three year old. But it ended up being a safe Fourth of July. Good. We had a lot of fun. Good. We we, we did all the things. Yeah, we yeah. grilled out and blew some stuff up, and it was great. Well, uh, hard turn here. Uh, <laughs> we, we've got a challenging passage this week that I thought you did a a really beautiful job of handling. You know, uh, it's just a hard passage. We get to First Peter chapter two. It was one of those passages I felt exhausted. Yeah, when I finished preaching, I was telling somebody this recently. You know, I think there are different types of sermons. Mm-hmm. And really, they're dictated by the text you're preaching. You know, sometimes you preach for an encounter with 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 God. You just need to see God for who He is, and right. the, you know, it's almost you can feel like His presence is palpable. And it's man, you're you're preaching for an experience. Sometimes you're preaching for mission. You're really trying to drive your people out mm-hmm. uh, to live uh, in light of the kingdom. Uh, sometimes you're preaching for formation. Yeah. Where it's like, man, this is discipleship, and we've we've got to do some harder work here. Those aren't the f- most fun to preach. Mm-hmm. I think they're really important, and this felt like one of those sermons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a text on household slaves, slaves and masters, calling slaves to submit to their masters with all reverence, <laughs> not only the good ones and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. And so. We're just going to kind of follow your framework in your sermon here, which I think was really helpful because there's, you can't just jump into a text like this. You have to do a lot of work and uh, you kind of had a a caution for us, a consideration. And uh, what was the last one? A call. A call. Yeah. So let's just start with a caution. Your caution was essentially a caution from eisegesis, reading things into the text. Like don't, this is a temptation anytime we as 21st century thinkers 
Western people begin to put our eyes on the text, uh, we can we can fall victim to this. And so, you know, specifically when you read a word like slaves, you know, for us immediately we're run into transatlantic slave trade, American chattel slavery was mostly race based or or, or very race based and despicable as you said on Sunday morning and and we just go why is Peter even addressing this right 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 yeah I mean I think this is a danger with a lot of words and a lot of concepts when yeah. it comes to the Bible um, specifically with slavery yeah we we read into it this race-based uh, chattel slavery that was this lifelong um, you know really viewing an entire uh ethnic group right. as less than human. Right. I mean, literally, uh, the laws of the land until they were changed were was that blacks were three-fifths of a person. Right. Um, and and so we, we have to be careful about reading that sort of an understanding of the institution of slavery onto the scriptures because it was it was very different in uh, the Roman Empire. Right. And so that... You know, and then to caveat the caveat, like that's not to justify slavery. Right. Like, w- w- my goal in saying, "Hey, we need to be careful about reading into the text," was not to say, "Well, slavery was okay back then." Right. But it was. To, it was simply to say it was different. Mm-hmm. It was different. It wasn't, you know, race based. Um, that uh, up to one third of the population mm-hmm. lived as slaves or servants, um, and depending on who your master was, there was a lot of like social and socioeconomic diversity and oh, yeah. advancement through through yeah. slavery potentially some chose to be slaves because it was a better life than than not being one and 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 oftentimes it was it was a temporary thing right that you could through manumission like buy your way out um and so there were just a lot of differences and so we need to be careful i mean i think we could play this game with other words right in the scriptures words I mean, one you mentioned while we were talking earlier was the word love. Yeah. You know, what do you think of when you hear the word love as a modern American? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's often very surface level, right? Like, there's there's something about affections in there. I have, I have affections for this thing, whether it's LeBron James or <laughs> Garth Brooks or nachos or chicken wings or my wife. But the problem is we put one word to equal all those things. Right. Right. right, and the Bible has multiple words it's using for love that mean very different things in some ways. All, 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 all forms of affection, right? But, but some with deeper levels of meeting and deeper levels of commitment and deeper levels of covenant. So, yeah. So I think the point being just that we we need to be judicious as yeah. we read the scriptures, and I don't want this to sound like an impossible task. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think it is, especially in light of the fact that we have some amazing, we have so many resources right, at our fingertips, commentaries, study Bibles, a lot of online resources. We're doing the work is not that difficult, mm-hmm. but I think we need to do some of the work of trying to understand the world of the Bible and then going, that's a different world than the world I live in. And so I need to make sure that um, I'm I'm trying to understand that world. I'm understanding the words in that world and, and their meaning, recognizing how I could 
potentially misconstrue what that word means because of how that word's used in my world. Yeah. Um, and I think we can do that pretty simply if we're using some basic resources, but we need to try to do that. And then reading, reading the word that we encounter in the context of the argument of the author that's right. writing and going, man, what's really being said here mm-hmm. um, so that we do justice to the text? Yeah, I think of John Stott's famous preaching book, Between Two Worlds. You're really preaching is building a bridge between the biblical world and, and, and the modern world in which we live, right? And But we have the Holy Spirit. Right. <laughs> like we're right. thankful that Jesus, because ultimately all that commentary work is is invaluable and we need to do it. But as Andy just said, we, we wouldn't want anyone listening to go, well, I can just never understand the Bible for myself. God has gifted you with the Holy Spirit. Read, uh, soak yourself in the scriptures, and God will will lead you into all truth. So. Well, and I, yeah, I, we hold to the perspicuity or the clarity of scripture, right. meaning that the basic meaning can be found um, and that God the Holy Spirit gives us illumination to understand right. not only what it means, but how it comes to bear in our own lives. Right. Well, after giving us a caution, which was really helpful, you, you gave us a consideration, which was essentially answering the question, you know, maybe even after that caution, you're still asking, why didn't Peter just say, hey, slavery's bad, don't do it? Why wasn't there a prohibition, right? Um, and you kind of asked the question that, that so many ask have asked throughout history, which is, does the Bible condone slavery? You brought up that there were even slave masters in America who uh, just terribly and unfortunately and and heretically used the Bible to justify owning slaves um, and to force their their slaves into submission, right? Um, and so uh, you can be left still feeling troubled. And you know there are other questions, right, that, that people throw out at us and, and throughout it, the Bible and Christianity is the Bible anti-woman. Is it uh, a white man's religion? All these different things. But 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 help us think through this question of is the Bible pro-slavery? You walked us through a little bit of biblical theology. I think that's important because this is one of the areas where people struggle with the Bible. Yeah, because we wish for a statement that is just black and white. Right. You know, the Bible, you know. God hates slavery. God's against slavery. Like we wish for a sentence in the Bible that would just make our theology super clear. That's not what we encounter. Um, And so we have to do the work of trying to put the whole Bible together and and to see where it takes us. Mm -hmm. Um, I was having a conversation after this sermon with a friend, and, um, you know, one of the things that we were talking about was when you come to a difficult topic like this um my instinct is to run to jesus right um he made the comment i thought it was a really helpful comment he said you know this conversation is downstream from the resurrection Mm -hmm. right and so did jesus rise from the dead is kind of where i start yeah because if if jesus if jesus rose from the dead then he proved that he's the son of god right yeah jesus clearly had a, a high view of the Old Testament scriptures. He said he didn't come to abolish but to fulfill, right? He didn't come to do away with but to fulfill mm-hmm. the Old Testament scriptures. He repeatedly hearkened back to the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and, you know, in his debates with the Pharisees and said things like, you know, has it not been written? Or he would he would preach the true meaning 
of the law and say, you have heard it said, but I say to you. So Jesus was using the Old, Text, Old Testament scriptures authoritatively. We can't just do away with them. Um, and so ultimately, like, Jesus becomes my hermeneutic. Yeah. Right? So as I look at the, if Jesus truly rose, then he is the son of God. If he's the son of God, I have to deal with his view of the scriptures. But as, as Jesus is telling us that he came to fulfill the law, as, it's, as I look at his life, mm-hmm. that becomes my interpretation. What did Jesus do um, with the Old Testament law? How did he fulfill it? Well, Jesus calls us to lay down our lives. He, he calls us to sacrificial love. He, he dignifies the marginalized and the mistreated and the down and outs. Right. He loves them. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now uh, by a guy named Glenn Scrivener, and, and, and one of the points that he makes was like, Frederick Nietzsche like criticized Christians for their pity. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, if the world really is built on this Darwinistic, you know, the mighty survive and the weak are just, you know, diminished. He, you know, he, he said then Christianity is ridiculous because yeah. it actually, it pities the weak. It cares for the weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he intends as a criticism, I think, is a beautiful reality. Um, so as you look at the life of Jesus that becomes your hermeneutic for trying to make sense of, of challenging text. So, you know, I, my, my instinct is just to run to D, to Jesus and go, yeah. okay, I got to start here and then work out. And that's not to cop out and say, I don't have to deal with those hard, hard texts right? because they're there. I still got to deal with them. But if I can get the big blocks in place, then it, then it helps me go, okay, there's a way to work through this. Even if I never fully completely can put all of the pieces together, there's yeah. a way to work through this in a way um, doesn't contradict the text, um, but doesn't scandalize my faith. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I but I I just think in general, um, your 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 walk through the scriptures was so helpful there, from Genesis to Revelation, and 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 with, and you can do that right because Jesus is your hermeneutic, right. and he he's leading the way, right. You gave a good word on, hey, just because something's mentioned in the Bible doesn't mean it's endorsing. And you ran straight to polygamy, and which is brought up a lot, right? You know, uh, the patriarchs, uh, some of the kings of Israel had multiple wives, some tons of wives, but often that is a leads to very negative impact on their life. Why? Because it's not God's original design. In the garden, we see one man, one woman for a lifetime, right? And so I think even that is an important point. And, that, that, and that's Jesus' interpretation. Right. When he's asked, the specific question is about divorce, but what does Jesus do? He runs back to the garden yeah. and he goes, here's the paradigm. Um, Matthew 19, I think, yeah. right? So as you work through that framework of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, like with Jesus kind of right at the heart of that. like Yeah. So I think that's a good word. You know, just because something's in the Bible doesn't mean that God's endorsing that thing as as – Human flourishing. Uh, I think one of the arguments for the legitimacy of Scripture is that it doesn't try to present its heroes, right. quote unquote, as these flawless figures. It's telling a true story, and you know, part of a narrative interpretation, especially with the Old Testament stories, is you have to you have to ask like, what's really being accomplished? What's the aim right. of telling this story? We got all these men and women who are messed up 
Yeah. And it's to show that none of them are the true hero, you know, that we, we need a greater hero to come. Yeah. So the Bible doesn't hide from the harsh realities of, of the actual world that it's presenting to us. Well, and I think the way you finished that point was so powerful. You essentially said, if we follow the logic of scripture, you know, progressive revelation, meaning God progressively more and more reveals himself and his character from Genesis to revelation. Um, you follow that, but you also follow the logic of the gospel, right? I think you just said really specific, really practically, like you can't love your neighbors yourself and enslave them. Right. Right. Like, if you follow the logic of Jesus, the love, the heart, the ethic of Jesus, the logic of the gospel, it makes slavery impossible. Yeah. And that was a beautiful point. Yeah. And you and you finish with revelation, you know, that there will be no slavery in the in the new heaven and new earth. Like right. it just won't. So it is not God's heart for his world or his people or his image bearers. And we can say that in yes and amen. And we work back from I mean, if that's the reality, a new heavens and a new earth where there's one you know, redeemed people from every tongue, language, and tribe gathered around the throne. We're all equals. Yes. You know, we have one father. We're all brothers. If that's if that's the, the new creation reality, and Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that, that our job as, you know, citizens of that kingdom and as servants of Jesus, as, as disciples of Jesus, is to progressively advance mm-hmm. that kingdom in the earth and to seek for heaven to invade earth, then we can't, we can't live with slavery. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we need to get to my, the final question here, but you brought Glenn Shrivener's book, which I read as well, which is really powerful. It's called the air we breathe, the air we breathe. Yep. Uh, you guys should get it. But, um, you know, just thinking again, uh, of the reality of the for early church. Uh, and, you know, again, we'd love for Peter and Paul to come right out and, and, and say no to slavery, but even the things they say to slaves and masters in their letters are deeply countercultural. And there's a reason why the early church in Rome, or at least throughout the Roman Empire, had countless slaves and women as a part of their membership. Why? Because they... We're hearing in the gospel and in Christianity a message that 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 empowered them and freed them in ways they had never heard in their culture before. Dignified them as individuals. Dignified. You know, one of the things that came out in my study this week was that Peter does a direct address to slaves. Right. That in itself was radically progressive mm-hmm. in his culture. Um, he didn't. He didn't merely identify them as a class mm-hmm. and speak to that. He identified them as individuals and, and did a direct address to them, which spoke to their humanity. It spoke yeah. to their dignity yeah. um, and gave them instruction, specific instruction for how to live. That's a big deal. Yeah. So if you guys have, if anybody has more questions about this topic, feel free to email Andy or I. We'd love to talk more, but we really we want, we want to be a church that engages in the hard questions uh, and, and in the the pushback that often comes towards Christianity today or the Bible as being a backwards, uh, simple, uh, bigoted religion. And, and we just think biblical Christianity is not that at all. And so we want to help people see the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus, and the beauty 
of the Bible. Let's finish with just a really practical question. We've done all this work to go. Uh, here's what Peter's not talking about, or and we don't think this is what God's endorsing or condoning. So what? Why is this? Why do? Why does it even matter to us? I mean, we 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 know there are still forms of slavery despicable forms of slavery in our world, but in general, our society does not have, in America, institutional slavery. Why can we not just skip over this and go, ah, that doesn't really have anything to do, that was for back then, doesn't have anything to do with us? Because we have bosses. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, in a, I think, you know, in a real way, this speaks to anyone who's under an authority yeah. as an employee, Um you know, as a as a child with a parent, I mean, there's all kinds of uh, parallel sort of relationships we can we can think of where there is someone over you that has uh, authority, and you're called to submit to them. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes: What happens when that person isn't always kind? What happens when they're harsh? What happens when you have a hard boss? What happens when you have a harsh parent? Um, how do I handle that? Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that Peter's doing in this section is he's he's espousing a sort of subversive lifestyle, mm-hmm. meaning that as you live according to the ethics of the gospel, and it's this idea of honor and submission to those who don't necessarily deserve it, mm-hmm. um, that God works, and and this takes faith. I mean, there's mystery here. Um, it, it repeatedly causes us to ask the question, what what wisdom am, am I trusting in? Am I trusting in human wisdom or am I trusting in the wisdom of the Spirit? Am I trusting in God's wisdom to do what only he can do to work in the lives of people? But Peter's big burden here is that as we live our lives according to the ethics of the kingdom, the kingdom will advance by the Spirit in yeah. the world, that God will draw people to himself through the way that we conduct ourselves as we proclaim his excellency. Yeah. We're living after the pattern of Jesus. Right. And, you know, we, we complicate things in a lot of ways. Uh, we theologize things in a lot of ways. But if, if we were to just apprentice ourselves to Jesus and say, I really want to be like you in how I approach, you know, last week or a couple weeks ago, government and how I approach uh, my boss or an authority over me, you know, couple weeks we'll talk about marriage it would simplify a lot of our lives if we could actually follow the pattern of jesus and that's what peter does Mm -hmm. he says jesus gave us an example that we should follow Mm -hmm. Um, i had this great conversation after the sermon on sunday we were taking communion and jude went and got um his uh, the elements and came and stood next to me and he before he took them just asked me dad like what do I do with this sermon? Right. Like, how does this apply to me? And so I got to say, well, buddy, sometimes mom and I are hard parents. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're harsh. Sometimes we're, we're not kind in the way that we parent. And it's hard for you to be our son. Um, but you're still called to submit to us mm-hmm. and to do that with um, reverence, you know, is what Peter says. I said, or sometimes, you know, someday you're going to have a boss, and that boss may not be the easiest boss in the world. Um, <clears throat> you're still called to submit to him. And I said, it, you know, the other the other way 
you know, this applies. We talked about in the sermon how, like, just our, our natural impulse is self-assertion. Mm-hmm. We assert ourselves, and Jesus is calling us to the way of self-denial. I said, man, think about you and Drew. Like, you're constantly fighting over who's going to mow the front yard versus the backyard because the backyard's bigger. You're constantly <laughs> fighting over, you know, who's going to – they hate cleaning the bathroom. Who's going to clean the bathroom or who's going to vacuum? They fight for vacuuming. Like, in all these little ways, they're – these are arguments over self-assertion versus self-denial. I was like, the way of Jesus is the way of self-denial. Mm. And he's like, I get it, Dad. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I awesome. get it, Dad. But it was a great conversation. What a great conversation. Um, and then he got to meditate on that, you know, holding bread and the bread in the cup and, and think about Jesus' own self-denial and sacrifice and then took the Lord's Supper. It was it was a it was a beautiful moment as a as a father and a son. So. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm grateful for you preaching this week. I know it wasn't, you know, the easiest text to prepare. I mean, this is the reason we uh, do expository preaching. This is why, the reason we preach through books of the Bible, because you have to hit every text. You can't skip over hard texts. So just grateful for you, and and uh, thought you did a really beautiful job handling a challenging text. Well, I was pretty tired. Uh, and in two weeks, we get... Husbands and wives. Yeah. So yeah. Excited uh, about it. get another challenging text. But yeah, there's there's beauty there. Yeah, absolutely. Well we'll see you guys next week. All right, thanks, Brett. If you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.